Right on radio. Right on radio. Good evening and greetings in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus, the Messiah. The last time I shared from the word, we focused on the first and greatest commandment, which is also the first love of Revelation chapter 2, loving the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, <clears throat> mind, and strength. This week we will continue <clears throat> with the second greatest commandment, loving our neighbors as ourselves. Jesus, Yeshua, reviews the two greatest commandments in Matthew 22, 33 and following. When the crowds heard how he taught, they were astounded. But when the Pharisees learned that he had silenced the Sadducees, they got together. And one of them, who was a Torah expert, asked a question to trap him. Rabbi, which of the instructions in the Torah is the most important? He told them, you are to love Adonai, the Lord, your God, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. This is the greatest and most important teaching. And the second is similar to it. You are to love your neighbor as yourself. All of the Torah and the prophets are dependent on those two instructions. Let's look to the Lord. Avinu, Melech Gadol Shalan, our Father and our great King, thank you that you have given us your word, your instructions to guide us in our relationship with you and our relationships with one another. Teach us as we consider these passages from your word. Conform us, O Lord, to the image of your Son. Amen. So what exactly does loving my neighbor as myself mean? Now, other rabbis who lived at the same time Jesus walked to this earth had a saying that they taught, do not do to others what you would not want them to do to you. Does that sound vaguely familiar? Jesus turned it around in the positive. He said, treat other people as you would like them to treat you. However, one of the ways that even believers tend to fail in treating one another the way in which we would want to be treated is in the area of forgiveness. Now, one way I have learned to understand Philippians 4.6 is that we are to demonstrate a forbearing spirit. A spirit that shows that we have an attitude of forgiveness even before the offending party has even thought about repenting. Now, the typical understanding of forgiveness, at least the way I was taught, or at least how I understood it was, it's okay to hold off on forgiveness until the guilty party confessed and repented. It was okay to nurse a grudge. 
at least until the offender came crawling on his knees begging forgiveness. Forgiveness was also understood to be the opening and building of such a relationship with the offender that we could treat one another just as if nothing ever happened. Now, are these ideas biblical? Can we prove them from God's word? From the scriptures we are going to consider, the answer is no. We're going to start with the leader of the Israelites as they were leaving Egypt and on their way to the land that God had promised them. In Exodus 32, Adonai, the Lord, said to Moses, Go down, hurry! Your people whom you brought up from the land of Egypt have become corrupt. So quickly they have turned aside from the way I ordered them to follow. They have cast a metal statue of a calf, worshipped it, sacrificed to it, and said to one another, Israel, here is your God who brought you up from the land of Egypt. Adonai continued speaking to Moses, I've been watching these people and you can see how stiff-necked they are. Now leave me alone so that my anger can blaze against them and I can put an end to them. I will make a great nation out of you instead. Moses pleaded with Adonai, his God. He said, Adonai, why must your anger blaze against your own people whom you brought out of the land of Egypt with great power and a strong hand? Why let the Egyptians say it was with evil intentions that he led them out to slaughter them in the hills and wipe them off the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger. Relent. Don't bring such dis disaster on your people. Remember Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, your servants, to whom you swore by your very self. You promised them, I will make your descendants as many as the stars in the sky, and I will give all this land I have spoken about to your descendants, and they will possess it forever. Adonai then changed his mind about the disaster he had planned for his people. Why would the Lord even say such things to Moses? This has been, for a lot of years in my life, a very troubling passage. What is really going on here? The people have just committed idolatry and have sinned corporately against the God who delivered his people with great wonders and signs from the oppression and slavery of Egypt. Is not God justified in planning to wipe these disobedient, miracle-ignoring, rebellious people off the face of the earth? Well, to be honest, yes, he is. He is a just God, but he is also a merciful God and a God who keeps his promises. So why is God communicating this to Moshe, to Moses? God, our loving Heavenly Father, is establishing a pattern 
that we will see repeated in a number of other places through godly servants that understand his heart. And it's a pattern that he desires to build in us as well. Let's begin with Yeshua, Jesus, while hanging on the very execution stake, the cross that he did not deserve, but one that each of us do deserve. Luke 23:32. Two other men, both criminals, were led out to be executed with him. When they came to the place called the skull, they nailed him to a stake. They nailed the criminals to stakes, one on the right and one on the left. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. They don't understand what they're doing. Had we been there that moment, we would have been thinking, wait a minute, Jesus, no, don't plead for their forgiveness, strike them down. But before any of them would ever come to repentance, before they would ever plead for forgiveness, before they might repent of such evil, Jesus is advocating for them that the Father would give them his forgiveness. What would we have done had we been where he was? Uh, you might object, but he's God. He had the power to forgive in such a horrible situation. God shows us further that this is to be repeated by others who follow the Lord. God's answer is found in the record of Stephen, a man who was not even among the 12 disciples, let alone among the three who were closest to the Lord. When he was being stoned to death for being a follower of the Lord, pleaded for his accusers and executors. It reads, but he, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw God's Shekinah glory with Yeshua, Jesus, standing at the right hand of God. Look, he exclaimed, I see heaven opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. At this, they began yelling at the top of their voices so that they wouldn't have to hear him. And with one accord, they rushed at him, threw him outside the city, and began stoning him. And the witnesses laid down their coats at the feet of a young man named Shaul, Saul. As they were stoning him, Stephen called out to God, Lord, Yeshua, Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he kneeled down and shouted out, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. With that, he died, and Shaul, Saul, gave his approval to his murder. The results of Stephen's actions are absolutely phenomenal. One of those who is guilty by association and agreement with the accusers and executors later penned these words in his letter to the believers in Rome. 
The Apostle Paul, Shaul, Saul, wrote in Romans 9, I am speaking the truth as one who belongs to the Messiah. I do not lie. And also bearing witness is my conscience, governed by the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit. My grief is so great, the pain in my heart is so constant, that I could wish myself actually under God's curse and separated from the Messiah if it would help my brothers, my own flesh and blood, the people of Israel. They were made God's children, and the Shekinah has been with them. The covenants are theirs, likewise the giving of the Torah, the temple service, and the promises. The patriarchs are theirs, and from them, as far as his physical descent, is concerned came the Messiah, who is overall praised to be Adonai, the Lord, forever and ever. Amen. You know, Stephen's forgiveness of Saul, the Apostle Paul, opened the way for Paul to become one of the prominent leaders in the fledgling movement that explosively became what many today call the church, the community of believers, the people of God. Was this the only thing that brought Saul around? Absolutely not. The light from heaven, the blinding light, the ministry of the other apostles to Shaul made the difference. But God uses all these things to bring people around to himself. Now, Kepha or Cephas, Peter, needed clarification of this difficult concept of forgiveness, the kind of forgiveness that is not even merited by the person who has offended us. Peter came up and said to Yeshua, Rabbi, how often can my brother sin against me and I have to forgive him? As many as seven times? No, not seven times, answered Jesus, but 70 times seven. Because of this, the kingdom of heaven may be compared with a king who decided to settle accounts with his deputies. Right away, they brought forward a man who owed him many millions. And since he couldn't pay, his master ordered that he, his wife, his children, and all his possessions be sold to pay the debt. But the servant fell down before him and pleaded, be patient with me, he begged, and I will pay back everything. So out of pity for him, the master let him go and forgave the debt. But as the servant was leaving, he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him some tiny sum. And maybe 10, 20 bucks. He grabbed him and began to choke him, crying, pay back what you owe me. His fellow servant fell before him and begged, be patient with me and I will pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he had him thrown in jail until he should repay the debt. When the other servants saw what had happened, they were extremely distressed. And they went and told their master everything that had taken place. Then the master summoned his servant and said, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt 
just because you begged me to do it. Shouldn't you have had pity on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And in anger, his master turned him over to the jailers for punishment until he paid back everything he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat you unless you each forgive your heart from your hearts. Wow. The Lord is telling us the extreme importance of practicing forgiveness. Unless we forgive others, we close the door to experiencing forgiveness for ourselves. Further, we cut off others from pursuing and experiencing God's forgiveness for themselves. Let that sink in. Based on what Yeshua, Jesus, has just said, unless we forgive others, we close the door to experiencing God's forgiveness for ourselves. And we stand in the road of others from pursuing and experiencing God's forgiveness for themselves. What does it mean to love your neighbor as yourself? Forgive him. The Lord taught us to pray. Our Father, who is in heaven, holy be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. How are we to for, how is he to forgive us our debts? As we forgive others who have debts toward us. Wow. It's in the prayer. It's in the Lord's words. And how often we skip over that so important concept of loving one another, forgiving one another. Let me back up. The command, the second greatest command, is to love your neighbor as yourself. Well, how are we to love ourselves in God's way? The importance of obeying God's words, his instructions. You know, God says, on six days work is to be done, but the seventh is to be a holy day to you, a Shabbat of complete rest in honor of Adonai. Whoever does any work on it is to be put to death. You are not to kindle a fire in any of your homes on Shabbat, the Sabbath. Now, there's a big argument, and I'm not going to get into that, as to what we as Gentiles must follow in terms of Torah. But the principle I would like to put forth here in loving ourselves God's way is to see that so many of God's commands, the Sabbath principle, resting one day out of seven, the idea of setting apart times to be alone with the Lord, to rest from our labors, 
it isn't a matter of legalism to put on us a burden. It's a matter of taking care of ourselves. Did you know that our bodies need rest? Well, yeah, you know, I, I get my eight hours of sleep every night. Oh, that's good. But what about taking one day out of seven as the Lord has commanded? There's a lot to be said for getting the rest that we need. How to love yourself God's way? The importance of following God's Torah, his instructions. It is important that we take care of ourselves because as we learn to love ourselves, we will also be able to love others. Hey, it'll even give us the rest we need to give us the energy we need to take care of one another. That same uh, part of the Bible in Exodus tells us about, oh, it, I must say, it's some of the hardest stuff to read if you don't have a good background in what's going on, where Moses is taking the whole community of the people of Israel and telling them what God has ordered about taking up a collection for yourselves from among yourselves and, you know, taking up the gold, the silver, the bronze, the blue, purple, and scarlet yarn, the fine linen, the goat's hair, the tanned ram skins, fine leather, acacia wood, oil for the light, spices, and the list goes on. You go, what is going on here? And what does that have to do with me today? Hmm. Well, what were they gathering all these things for? What were, what was the value of all these treasures that they would come together and build a tabernacle for God? They were the um, components. They were the parts of what would be used to build that special place of meeting between the people of God and their God, Adonai, the Lord. Well, what special treasures has God given to us today for building his temple? Hmm. You read in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, you'll find out what the temple is. And in the vernacular of what we've learned down here in the South, the word would be y'all. Y'all are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Well, to build that temple in which the Holy Spirit is to dwell and to radiate his goodness out to a lost and dying world, he's given us gifts with which we can minister to one another, among them being teaching, encouragement, mercy, prophecy. And prophecy is not just the idea of telling what's going to come. It is speaking forth the word of God. Are these important for building the temple? 
Well, just as ramskins and and blue, purple, and scarlet yarn and all the uh, materials that were needed to build the temple of God, the gifts that God has given you and each of us, one another within the body of Messiah, we need them not just to be bricks ourselves to build that temple, but the kind of things that reach out and minister to one another. We are to love the community as God loves it. The importance of using our talents, gifts, and abilities to minister to the whole community. We're to love ourselves God's way by taking care of ourselves, getting the rest we need, and doing the kind of things that are going to build us up individually. But going back to the first point, we need to be loving each other, loving our neighbor as ourselves, and that includes the very powerful, unfortunately forgotten, neglected concept of forgiveness. Lord God, we pray right now in the name of our Lord and Savior, Yeshua HaMashiach, Jesus the Messiah, that you would help us to grasp the importance of loving one another, forgiving one another, ministering to one another, building each other up, and building up your temple on this earth in our day, the body of Messiah, the body of Christ. Help us to be your servants in accomplishing this. We pray, B'Shem Yeshua, in the name of Jesus. Amen. God bless you all. Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio.